Hey there, this is Mark Lorenzi, aka The Rage Master, and I play Sagittarius on Zodiac Task Force, and you're listening to Raving Lunatic Media! Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi Malady. Got out. It's the world's most secure prison, full of the most deadly prisoners. And it's in space! Uh, kind of seems like Australian space. Not really sure how that would work. Yeah, but I wouldn't mind visiting Australia. What do you think, Rage? But now, the prisoners have revolted. Taken over, with Rage Master being stuck there. Uh, what? How did he get there? Why did he go there? Now, only two guys can save him. Uh, XCA Agent Snow? Snake Bliskin? Join Scott and Thomas as they save the Rage Master from being locked in. Um, the film's called Locked Down. Whatever. Go get him, sickies. Oh, this is gonna be painful. Do we have to? Yes. Fine, I guess. Um, quick question, Scott. How did you survive last week? Plot armor. And call me Snake. Uh, somehow that makes sense. Alright, Rage, I finally did these lines. Can I go on vacation now? Sci-Fi Malady, Symptom 295. Lockout. Isn't this missing Snake Bliskin? Welcome back, sickies, to Jail June, Symptom 295, the 2012 film Lockout. And uh, not to lead too much into his fun facts, but, you know, since Scott asked the question, isn't this missing Snake Plissken? Why, yes. Yes, it is. And the first fun fact mentioned, or I, I should mention, is that in 2015, John Carpenter won a plagiarism case against Luke Besson over lockout, proving clear similarities to Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. He... Yeah. Now, I guess he did it in a French court. Maybe they're a lot more um, strict on copyright. I don't know. Or maybe that's just that's because where Europa Films is based. But the point is, the courts decided, yeah, this is a much of a knock. This is basically a knockoff. And even if he hadn't won the case... It's that is awesome since just, in the yeah. lead credits it says an original concept from Luke Besson or an original idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's um that's a stretch. It was his original idea to pay sure. homage to the escape films Die Hard, Star Wars and Taken. And combine them into one film. Oh, now I understand. You know, to what he was doing here. It's fair use of all those other um, movies. You know, it's just... I mean, Europa Films is... Uh, it's kind of hit and miss. I mean, they did make Taken, but then they made Taken 2 and 3. Yeah, and Rap made Round uh, and Round. 
Doesn't make them a great band. Yeah. Well, they had their hits, but the point is, yeah. And in fact, too, I forget the actress's name, but the president's daughter, Amelia, Emily, in this movie was also the Liam Neeson's daughter and kidnap victim and taken. So, yeah, they dip into that well a couple times. Oh, yeah. Uh, but here we are. It's this film about a prison in space, which isn't the dumbest idea. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we've seen that before in other ways. So right away, the concept of a prison in space with the most dangerous criminals being funded by an aerospace company that's trying to cryogenically freeze these guys for the purpose of experimenting to see how humans could travel through space and survive the process, that that tracks. I mean, that doesn't really bug me. That doesn't that's a concept that's like, yeah, alright, let's see where they go with it. Unfortunately, don't they kind of go in a way that's a little generic. In that it's already been done and it's just your run-of-the-mill action film, I guess. Um, it's not bad, but it's it's a saltine cracker. Good, but without the chili, it's just a cracker. So, I guess that's the way to put it. Um, you know, the I guess I should just go to the plot. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, fun facts. The movie was stolen from John Carpenter and then tried to be passed off as an original idea. And, well, it's it's not original. And um, it reminds me of the episode of Star Trek, Whom the Gods Destroy, when uh, Lord Garth's um, sidekick woman, I, I think she's Orion, but his sidekick woman tries to claim that she invented uh, Shakespeare's... Um, Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? And he goes, you wrote that? It was written by an Earthman, William Shakespeare, 1,500 years ago. That does not change the fact that I just reinvented it now. <laughs> it's, you know. Wasn't, wasn't Lord Garth uh, Lord, Lord Garth, Garth And it's got like the scene where, where Shatner throws a temper tantrum on the floor. <laughs> and he's just kicking his feet and punching oh, the floor. Oh, that's the famous one. <laughs> And where Lord Garth's uh, throne is on a yeah, table. Yeah, just a chair on a folding table. <laughs> oh, what happens when the budget gets cut? And when you tell William Shatner, <laughs> anyway. who's a known overactor, to pretend to be an insane man Overact. who's lost his mind. <laughs> Speaking of insane men... <laughs> Uh, so this film takes place in 2079, and CIA operative Snow, Marion Snow as we find out, is arrested for murdering Colonel Frank Armstrong, who uh, was allegedly selling military secrets to someone. And so the Secret Service, for some reason, was in on this. I mean, you know, I, I guess they could be, but I'm not sure why. Um... Maybe Thomas will have an insight to that, but personally, it's like, if the CIA is conducting this, why is the Secret Service sticking their nose in it? I mean, this isn't, this isn't like Catch Me If You Can, right. where there was a defrauder of money, so it makes sense why the Secret Service is involved. You know, the Secret Service has very narrowly tailored objectives. Well, <clears throat> well there's also the problem that the CIA is 
Oh yeah, there's that too. I would sure. just say do yourself but, but, a favor you know and not try to make sense of anything that happens in this movie. No, no. There's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of that. So anyway, for <laughs> no. some reason, director of Secret Service Scott Langroll uh, tells the president that Snow killed this colonel. And after a very terrible CIA chase in a, with a motorcycle in which Snow tries to escape, he throws a luggage with some incriminating evidence onto a subway train. And luckily, Lang, uh, the Langrel, the CIA agent, or the Secret Service agent, just happens to be at the station, too. Teleportation. And so they're going to go and they're going to put, the, uh, you know, Agent Snow is now guilty of espionage and is going to be frozen cryogenically on uh, the space station MS-1, which is a prison. While this is going on, the president's daughter, Amelia, are, uh, you, to investigate claims that the prisoners are being guinea pigs. And she interviews one guy, oh, what was his name? Heidel, who, uh, we're going to talk about that guy. But for some reason, he's able to break out because the Secret Service agent, despite the fact that she's on one side of an interrogation room with a bulletproof glass, the Secret Service agent is on the other side for her protection. Because being magnetically chained to the floor and having bulletproof glass between them wasn't enough. And of course, the Secret Service agent's stuck in a gun in his sock. And somehow this crazy guy noticed it and pulled it out and shot the glass and initiated. Don't ask questions. Don't somehow ask questions. Somehow he figured out the computers and unfroze a bunch of people, including his brother, who was a mastermind. And now the prisoners have taken over the nut house, with only Agent Snow being the only agent good enough to save her. So, uh... You know, the Secret Service agent winds up killing himself to save Amelia because they're Emily, whatever, because they're in an elevator that's filling with nitrogen or something, or a room. Snow comes and saves her and then finds out his partner, Mace, who he threw the luggage to, is on there. So he goes and tries to save him. Uh, finds out he's having dementia from the freezing process. But before they can abandon him... Because as it turns out, with the space station not working properly, uh, it got into the flight path of the ISS, and the ISS crashed into it, and the debris somehow broke through a window and killed Mace, the Snow's friend. Oh, but before it killed him, though, he, through his dementia, gave a code to him, Emily about how to find the briefcase. And so Snow eventually uh, manages to get Emily through there, and uh, she screws up by giving away her position to Heidel in exchange for a bunch of other prisoners. Heidel kills him anyway. Uh, Emily gets mortified. They manage to get out in these spacesuits and go through like a um, orbital paratrooper drop. And at the same time, the president. Well, he orders a, um, a siege, which is just a bunch of fighter jets. I mean, I'm sorry, space fighters piloted by fighter jet pilots uh, shooting the space station with missiles because just launching a missile from the ground was too hard, I guess. And uh, 
he the president doesn't want to do it because Emily's on there. So somehow the Secret Service head takes over command of the operation. Didn't know that you could do that, but I guess in 2079 you can. And the ship, the station comes flying down, somehow not killing Snow and Emily who land in New York. And he's given his pardon and she goes back to the crime scene where Snow was accused of murdering the colonel. And she's allowed in for some reason. Apparently no one's cleaned up after the crime scene. She figures out that uh, it was all just a big misunderstanding. Then it turns out that Snow's handler uh, knew about the whole thing because and uh mace or excuse me mace snow winds up getting a lighter from the colonel which has a microchip in it that shows that the guy in the cia's handler was a mole and then emily and snow go off and live happily ever after there's the summary and now for the few 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 fun facts that was a really bad plot summary. Not really, it was just a bad plot. Oh, okay, thank you. Well, the best, <laughs> fa- the best fun fact was the fact yeah. that it got sued by John Carpenter, but there's three more. The main antagonist brothers are named Alex and Heidel. And I guess Alex Heidel was an alias used by a special person Scott knows about. Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm-hmm. Don't I suppose that was deliberate. It would be really hard for um, that not to be deliberate to come up with Alex Heidel or AJ Heidel. Uh yeah. That was that was Oswald's yeah, when okay. they found him with two identifications. They didn't know if he was Alex Heidel, AJ Heidel, or or Lee Harvey Oswald. Okay. And the next fun fact, which is actually one of my picks, is after the inmates are unfreezing, one of them kind of stumbles out and flips over a cat rail, a railing, and plummets to his death. And they decide to use the Wilhelm scream, which I appreciate. Every time I can hear the Wilhelm scream, I'm happy. And with that, let's just open up the floor to rips and picks because, uh, boy, I, I got a lot. And I think. The first one I'm going to point out here, I I will have a, a deep question, I suppose. But so I want to go back to the head of the CIA, Secret Service. So the president finds that Emily's still on the station and doesn't want to blow it up yet. So the head of the Secret Service takes over the operation, like he countermands the co- commander in chief, because. Barring a sudden change in the Constitution, I didn't know that was possible. I mean, I do know that the military is swears to the Constitution and is allowed to countermand the president if he or she gives orders that are unconstitutional. All right? Without getting... I'm not getting political here, but for example, we saw just a reminder of that in uh, December of 2020 when during the election issues, the military just put out a warrant, a reminder to everybody saying we back the Constitution, not a person. And that was their way of saying, don't put us in the middle of this. Uh, So we do know that that can be done, but barring that or maybe some other situation extreme situation i don't see a secret service of all of all things going mr president i am taking over i just no no i don't see that no 
Uh, well, there's also the slight problem, I believe. The Secret Service doesn't actually have the same allegiances and stuff, but yeah, that's precisely, another issue. Precisely, they don't have, but they're not At military. some point, there was an addendum to the Constitution that allows the President's power as the Commander-in-Chief to be overridden by the Secret Service if the Vice President and Congress sign off on it, I guess. That's what we just have to take away from here. That... I guess, and of course they don't mention that, so if you want to make it work, that's the only way to do it, because otherwise, I mean, it just goes back to the fact of how come the CIA is operating on U.S. soil first, and second, assuming that was U.S. soil, let's just say it was, and second, the Secret Service isn't overseeing this operation, so now the Secret Service has jurisdiction over the CIA over Langley? Boy, these guys really didn't do their research at all. Uh, I mean, they didn't take the time to come up with an original story. Why would they research anything? That's so, true. <laughs> I just sent you guys an image in chat that you're probably wondering why I sent. But... Yeah, Gino... Does he not look yes. like Scott Langrell? Sarah and I were watching this movie, okay. and we're like, no, the, it's hard point. for us to take this villain seriously because he looks like this goofy, pushover, socially awkward character from 90 Day Fiance named Gino. <laughs> but this, this okay. uh, goes I into one now. of my, my rips, and it's not fair, but I don't care. Most of the main actors in this are discount ripoffs of other people, and these roles should have been played by other better actors. Snow is trying so hard to be um, Brad Willapit in some combination of Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis. Um, He's not pulling it off. And the older brother, to me, is trying to be Russell (laughs) Crowe. And... And the younger brother, Heidel, is just plain annoying in every single way. Aside from a terrible trope, he's just annoying in every way. He would have been better played by Steve Buscemi. (laughs) Yeah. Because when you need creepy, Steve Buscemi fits the bill. Um, well, and he just Steve Buscemi can pull it off just by looking. The guy at the who camera. played the CIA agent, he's he's good, but I I feel like Don Cheadle would have done the job better. All of these guys appear yeah, to probably. be like discount versions of better actors, and I couldn't get That's past fair. it. And it seemed to me like they're trying to yes. be these other actors instead of just being themselves. If you're gonna go out there and say, you know. My acting style is going to be, you know, a mashup of Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt. That's a fail from the beginning. Just be yourself. Um, You've got to be who you are in anything you do that's performance related. If you're trying to just ape somebody else's performance, you're going to suck. And and people are going to see it for what it is. And they're like, this dude's just trying to be Brad Pitt. The only way he could have been trying to be Brad Pitt more if he was eating in every single scene like he does in the Oceans movies. (laughs) um oh speaking of that irish heidel the one that bugged me and uh just is annoying did you guys have problems understanding him too or was it just me uh i watch all films with the captions on now because even though i aced my hearing test and the hearing specialist says i have perfect hearing i can't hear tv lines to save my life and i'm not sure what they're saying so okay good it's it's not just me then. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, but I can't tell you because um, 
because I can't hear anybody. I can't watch anything without the captions on anymore. What's that, Sonny? What did you say? You whippersnappers, get off my yeah, lawn! I Last time I had to come get your football out of the yard, I almost broke my hip. I, I could see it. I could hear it, okay. I guess. All right, then. By the way of putting it. Oh, it was still annoying. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that other point, I've already ripped it, but the Secret Service with Heidel at the beginning during the interview, why is he on that side of the glass? Why do you need him? How does... A it's... Why? Why? Oh, right, because uh, somehow they have to get a gun. Oh, and it's funny that he can sneak a gun in. Apparently, in the future, they don't have weapon scanners or something. Let's see. Uh, some older technology. Metal detectors. Did they have those things? It's on the I honor think? system. I don't know. I don't it's like know. we got to the Roddenberry future, <laughs> or even early for the Roddenberry future in 2079. But we're all on the honor system. Where we know how to, we're just going to follow the rules and we don't need to enforce them. I told him to give me all his guns. I right. think I had to check that the Secret Service agent protecting the president's daughter might yeah. sneak one in. I can see why it's only been 364 days without an incident, which that sign appears in there at one point. It's only yeah. been 364 yeah. days since a violent incident because security sucks. It just doesn't exist. It's basically these guys are all sleeping. Yeah. We're going to trust that all the visitors are going to do what they're supposed to. And we're not actually going to worry about any of this <laughs> stuff happening to, to the point. It reminds it reminds me of that Simpsons episode where they're, the prisoners are in the, the cage and there's just a sign on the door that says, please don't escape, be honest. And then the guy Snake hears his car drive by and he's like, little bandit needs help. Screw the honor system. And another prisoner was like, hey, you're ruining it for the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, and, and what a terrible Secret Service agent. Like, we see why you're guarding the, the first daughter and not the president or the first lady, because this guy is completely yeah. gone around the corner crazy, demented, just out of cryostasis, groggy as can be, and he picks your gun. And you don't even notice that he has taken yeah. your gun. You're terrible. You are so bad at what you do. You, I mean... You shouldn't even be on protecting the first daughter. Maybe you can guard, like, the first cat. Maybe. That might be too tough of a task for you. Yeah. You brought a gun into <laughs> a secure system that you didn't need to have it and made the only way possible to put the first daughter at, at danger was by bringing that gun in instead of turning it over. And then you got pickpocketed by a guy whose brain is messed up from cryosleep and is still probably experiencing the equivalent of drinking a full bottle of Jack Daniels before bed in two gulps and trying to function the next day. Yeah. Yeah, Thomas, it's your turn for a rip or pick, but we're probably going to do mostly rips, I imagine. Uh, I'm, well, I'm actually going to choose somewhat of a pick. Okay. My pick is, it might be stupid, but I don't really have a huge problem with how bad it is because it's not, it never loses me, let's say. Okay. I agree with you on that. Yeah, that's I mean, true. It's, that's true. I never got bored. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say this is, woo, a amazing height, no, it's, but. 
it, it's brain, it's brainless me. entertainment of yeah, it's paced this. well it's um not believable but it's paced well the discount actors trying to be better actors turn in a pretty good performance across the board i can't really fault any of the performances by the actors they're just trying to be better actors um liam neeson's daughter knows how to pull off the damsel in distress act and um it it it's paced well. It's entertaining. I don't regret that I watched it. So, yeah, I'll give it that. It's fun. You shut your brain off. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, there's... A, okay, so there's a few other things um, Rips I'll mention. One, it's more of a funny thing. I always love in these movies how especially sci-fi movies with computers, how the inmates who've never used any of this tech can just use everything. And it's all just push button. So like, oh, we are going to take over the guns that can shoot down the fighter jets. And all it is is a button. Luckily, that's all it takes is a button. Well, there's no security checks because why on earth would the prisoners ever escape? Right. I guess so. I guess, you know, why assume that... Everything's perfect. Um, but yeah, but this so, is in this is already in the in the computers weren't new at this point. In reality, here's what happens. All right, man, you're a computer expert, right? Get in there and see if you can override the system. Ah, oh, crap, man. Yeah, let me tell you something. I knew how to code, but I knew C++ and this is written in JavaScript and uh, guys, I'm screwed. I don't yeah. know the code. Well, you know computers. Yeah, I but can try I, to learn, but it's not going right, to happen. I don't overnight. know the coding language. That's like telling someone who speaks Spanish they should be able to figure out German because they they speak Spanish. <laughs> yeah, right. That's close, right? I mean, you <laughs> you speak French, ancient Sumerian ought to be just you know right up your. You speak more than one language, right? No, I don't know the coding yeah. language, guys. Right. I I can't do this. I'm used to writing if then and go to statements. <laughs> so uh yeah i always love that but just a few uh scientific blunders which i can't believe i'm doing this but here we are one um they give them these radiation monitors to say like well if the radiation gets too high we'll tell you you're not going to get irradiated in orbit that fast you'd have to be up there for a long time and i know this because I know people who have worked at NASA, and this is what they account for when they build their things. If, I, if you go up into orbit for, let's say, a day is what this girl was going to do, you're not suffering radiation problems, okay? You're up there for not even a day. Second, um, the orbital pull-down, how the, the orbit was pulling the ship down, yeah, that would happen. But I see they took a page from J.J. Abrams in Star Trek Into Darkness when the Enterprise, Super Enterprise, whatever, was pulled to Earth from the moon in the matter of 30 minutes. Well, I mean, we know that would happen. How? That's how we got all the Apollo trips back. We let the Earth pull it from the moon in three days. It took two or three days to do that. So same thing here. Would the Earth pull MS-1 down? Sure it would. In weeks. Because Star, uh, Skylab, which was up there, 
Like, it had to get a thrust boost, like, every five weeks. Otherwise, they could just leave it there going around and around. So, I know I probably shouldn't be taking it that seriously, but just when they're like, It's falling down! It wouldn't fall that fast. And not only that, when they finally blow it up instead of using missiles, and the two of them are doing the dropships through their jumps through uh, orbit, which, by the way, did not bother me, because if you had that kind of proper shielding like they did, it's like, it could work, I guess. Um, the debris that's hitting them. So the ISS has to look out for debris in the, like, little marble-sized debris they have to watch out for. They have to maneuver around. So debris falling down that fast and hitting you, you're dead. You're dead. You're not surviving that. Uh, I have a counter to that. Well, there's a lot of kinetic energy there. You're you're not just getting up from that. Let's put it that way. No, but you're talking about marbles in space. The big reason why that happens is because of decompression in space. So slight difference. Yeah, but the ISS has had to dodge them because the kinetic energy as it flings around the Earth. So imagine a giant hulking piece of metal one of many, flying down to the atmosphere and smacking you. Um, it's not that the thing hit you. It's how fast it was going when it hit you. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that's so, the logic behind a bullet. I mean, even before we had, you know, conical-shaped bullets, um, if, you, if you fire a marble yeah, if, at 27,000 miles per hour, it's going to go through you. Yeah, if I throw a bullet at one of you, you're just going to be like, ow, what was that for? So, whereas if I launch it from a gun... Why are these guys throwing rocks at my It's going to hurt more. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, is this... Cru- I, I know uh, I probably shouldn't... I know I shouldn't it's Civilization that four, that's oh. why. Or Civilization six, whatever. Oh, okay, I'm That sorry, was one of my other that. ribs, too. The ISS is still up there. What's that? Come on, man. I think we would have gotten something butter by then. Come on, really? I mean, isn't the ISS supposed to be decommissioned here in a year or two anyway? Yes. Well, I guess they weren't. Again, were they paying attention? No. I mean, what? He's mirror up there too somewhere? Another thing they weren't paying (laughs) attention. Who knows? Shh. (laughs) <laughs> it's another thing I weren't paying attention to. Mace is going through dementia. And the way he was sounding, it's like, that's not how dementia works. No, no, okay? not at all. My wife deals with dementia patients all day long. Had he just been saying, like, I'm at the train station, time to catch my train and go. All right, well, yeah, he's got dementia. But um, him just sitting here going, whale, the New York station. Yeah, he more had aphasia. That, I don't know. I what mean, the that closer is. thing to what he was dealing with was aphasia. Yes. So yeah. Um, I mean, and I guess the last one before I shut up. This oh, movie sorry, is a full-on assault on science and common sense. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, you know what? I guess they were going for things like Moonfall. They're like, well, if they can make Moonfall, we can make Lockout. The science in this movie makes the science in Armageddon look reasonable and rational. (laughs) That's that's a compliment to Armageddon. (laughs) Uh, I guess the last one I'll give. I do have I do have uh, at least 
two picks of three, but the last rip I'm going to give is... Um, so at the end, when Amelia walks into the crime scene from the beginning of the movie, aside from the fact they haven't cleaned it up, oh yeah, they just let her walk in. Yeah, I mean, sure, why not? And she just figures out everything by looking at some walls. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, she's making Horatio from CSI Miami look like a noob. How pathetic is the warden? I can help you! I can help you! The girl! The girl! <laughs> you! I believe that, though. I believe that. Someone it's, could be it's that believable. Oh, oh, that's not a rip. That's yeah. a, just a... Yeah, no, yeah, he was pathetic. That's for sure. Totally sure. Definitely. You know, he Any could have been rips? better played by Michael Keaton, I think, who played Burt Gummer. No, 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 it's not Michael Keaton. Who played Burt Gummer in Tremors? Michael, what's his name from... From Family yeah, Ties, Gummer. right? You know... Yep. yep, that's the one. Gummer and Gummer. Ah, uh, as you said, Scott, it's mostly this, a cast that did well, but some of these people were clearly designed for other cast members in mind, other actors in yeah, mind. Yeah, there's a movie out there that could have been amazing that has Brad oh, Pitt, yes. Bruce Willis, and Steve Buscemi, and Don Cheadle, and, um... I... <sighs> the cast from Armageddon, basically. Timothy, uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption, dude. Oh, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Tim, Tim Robbins, Robbins as uh, Agent Langrel. Could have been a much more phenomenal movie. The president from Independence Day coming in to play the president in this. <laughs> or yeah, if you just wanted a weak-minded buffoon, you could get W to do a cameo. <laughs> <laughs> just tell him it's really happening. Americans want to know, is our breast and brightest learning? What? <laughs> I miss Bushisms. Well, I'm sure they're still around. We somewhere. got Bidenisms. Kind of a good trade-off. That's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, any more rips or? Because I can go right to my picks if there aren't. Um, any. I'm going to have a slight whip here. All right. There's something going on here, but it never tells us enough. I mean, you look at the White House. What's going on there? Oh, yeah. They have, like, take an elevator to the Oval Office, don't they? And then the president's getting, like, what is that, dialysis or something? Well, there's also, like, the entire White House has a huge gate, you know, like, walls around it, and it's like a military... Yeah. I'm like, there's a bunch of stuff happening in this story, and I don't know <laughs> what's going on at all. I'm like... Uh, is this a cold war? Is America collapsed? What are we doing? Maybe it's we don't a, know. Maybe it's... I got it. It's after the movie Olympus Has Fallen mm. took place, so they beefed up security. Ah. I... Yeah, there's there's problems. How about the whole premise of the movie? <laughs> well... There's the well, whole yeah. staff on oh. MS-1, along with the other hostages. And they're talking about sending in the Marines and, um... True villain dude says, uh, well, what hostage are we saving? One or all the hostages? And, and they just go, my daughter. The rest of them can die. The only hostage that matters up there is the president's daughter. And 
I want to believe this is still America. We're supposed to be the city on a hill, the embodiment of values. And even though we've screwed up time and time again over the course of our history, we want to try to be better. And we want to try to live up to these ideals that we've set for ourselves and to show the world what a beacon of democracy and, uh, you know, caring about human rights and people and morality can be. In this case, the rest of those hostages can die. The president's daughter has to be saved. Everyone else is expendable to save the president's daughter. Now, as a father, yeah, that is what right. I would think. But as the president or the father of the nation, I mean, it's a horrible moral premise to start the movie on. We're supposed to be okay with the fact that our hero is going in to save one person at the expense of every other hostage there. And so what does this say? Who your daddy is determines your value as a person? It's that classism is real? That there are blue bloods who are worth more than the lives of commoners on this station? Thought we already knew that one, but... What yes. message are yeah, we trying to send to this? your question is yes. If you really think about it. None. It's just a copy of... It's a copy of... You know, Escape from L.A., what do you want? Yeah, at least in Escape from L.A., it made sense to go save the president's daughter. You didn't have to kill everybody else, basically, to save the president's daughter. You basically didn't say, yeah, let's get the president's daughter out of there, and everyone else is expendable in the meantime. Like, these people are already in the prison. There weren't other hostages that Pliskin could have went in and got. And he wasn't expressly mm. told if you got to kill all these hostages to save my daughter go ahead and do it the president didn't make a choice between saving his daughter and 35 other hostages in this case there's not even a debate over it it's just instantaneously uh right yeah and it has to be that way because snow has to die because not don Cheadle um needs him to die so that he can cover up his role in the conspiracy Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's convoluted for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Morally bankrupt. Yes. Well, that's, you know, um, the, 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 the question about the daughter is going to focus to the deep question, but I want to put through my picks, three picks. One of them I already covered, the Wilhelm scream. Two is, is kind of covered by Thomas. It's enjoyable enough, and the CGI effects on the prison itself are pretty good, actually. They blow it with the biker scene in the beginning, which leads me to believe it was tacked on later, and the budget was too low for that, because the rest of the effects are pretty good, actually. I, I find them very good, honestly. Um, but the third one is Heidel's brother, the older one. When Heidel decides he wants to go on his ridiculous kill spree... And the brother stops him and says, no, they're the only ones keeping us alive. You don't mess with your poker chips. It's like, wow, a smart criminal. Very nice. Very nice. Obviously, they had to have him killed because if he were still in charge, things would not have gone well for the heroes. He would have been too competent for them. But Heidel, on the other hand, now he's a Looney Tune. But I really liked that. You don't mess with your poker yeah. chips. <laughs> That's a good one. So, yeah. Th there's so some good about picks. this film, and you guys have mentioned it. So I'm, I'm not going to rehash those, but I agree with everything you guys said about what is good about this film. But, God, there's so much bad. 
But but there's a question before we close out and rate it that I got to ask, and it's going to be, it might be deemed controversial, I don't know. But right now, a big um, issue that you see, and it's not entirely unfounded, honestly, is where you have movies today where in an effort to uh, have a stronger female lead, that involves castigating the male lead. It does happen. We're not going to lie. I mean, the greatest example is Jake Skywalker. You know, Ray is perfect at everything, and Jake is a grumpy old man who gave up because he had a... Jake Skywalker? Um, well, Mark Hamill said that's not Luke Skywalker. I started calling him Jake Skywalker. Ah. Good for you, Mark. Because Luke <laughs> wouldn't do that. He was like, He was like, Luke wouldn't do that. Luke might go away and sulk and retrain for a few months, but he'd come but, back. And but do Mark right Hamill thing. accepted Disney's um, money, so I guess Jake Hamill. Jake of course Hamill, he did. They're back to dump truck of money did, up to my house. I'm not made of dump trucks. Of course he did, but it, it, it know, rings hollow. He though made, he made the right point. It it, it makes the for you. Maybe Luke uh, and Mark have more it in makes common the than point. Me. The point is, (laughs) we have seen this play out. And as I'm watching Agent Snow and Emily, especially when they first meet, the way they talk, Emily is made out to be so incompetent she doesn't know how to read a map. I mean, she is just utterly hopeless, pathetic. I mean, everything. And Snow is a smart alecky little perfect at everything. Well, come on, you so, you know no no, no you know that's reversed. true. She's uh, last name is bad as everything. But you you flipped the roles here, and now probably nobody saw this movie. And honestly, no one is really complaining about it in 2012 anyway, so it didn't raise heckles. But had that been made now. Heckles would be raised. And the the question I'm asking, I don't have an answer, but the question I'm asking is, um, for someone who's going to complain about the first thing I mentioned with Star Wars, how come this thing is not a problem? Again, it wasn't mentioned because 2012, nobody's really complaining about this, pl- or if they were, they were quiet, or nobody saw the movie. <laughs> Why is so, nobody complaining that Emily is a, a damsel in distress? Uh, not just a, da- a damsel in distress, but an absolutely pathetic one, reminiscent of Fay Ray from because the movie yeah. is derivative of those movies. I mean, it's you need a damsel in distress. Here's your damsel in distress. It's, it's like here we go, copy paste. This is you know, you know, Escape from L.A. Here's your damsel. She's useless, damsel. It's a remake of an old film. That's kind of why, in my opinion. But and I don't think we'd gotten to that okay. point right. yet. I think that no, we had. It was we right had. around the corner, but and this we movie were... couldn't have been made three or four years later. The damsel in distress is something that you're supposed to avoid, and I agree. The damsel in distress is a bad character. Well, even if you make it though, it's not just that she's a damsel in distress. It's that she's so utterly pathetic. I mean, come on. He hands her a gun and uh, 
in a map and she can't I hate to tell you this mark there's a whole bunch of people who can't read, both men and women who can't read I'm maps sure, anymore but i'm just saying it's it's but it's just the way she's portrayed like it's clearly if someone weren't holding her hand i would like I would like useless. to know Luke Besson's politics because when he has when she's shooting, he says, uh, "Jesus, I thought you were a Democrat." I don't know if that was uh, if I, I I don't know if that was written or if he made that up. We we'd have to look into that because that could have just been a line, and he's yeah. the actor and he's getting paid to say it. And he's no, 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 Luke Besson, yeah. the writer. That's what I'm saying. Oh, the, the movie doesn't uh, seem that, again, to me that to be been, that could have just in been, line with with traditional left Hollywood. It seems more center, center, no, right. No, but in at the same messaging. time, but to my knowledge, Luc Besson is a Frenchman, and so I th it sounds to me like he was just trying to tap into some like uh, American joke that would land, since he knew that was the primary Could audience. Be. Yeah, he's French. He's French, so I'm assuming that he was just tapping in, or an editor later subsequently added that line. Spice it, it, it very much could be, but overall, I feel not. like maybe the reason not. that maybe not one, I think no one, it, it 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 wasn't the right time. This movie today would cause problems. It would there would be people who would rip it up and down. Probably, for but back then we hadn't reached the point where we were right around the corner from it. The snowball was building. You know, we were headed into Obama's yeah, second term, yeah, and that true. is where. You saw a lot of this really kick but up just, 2008, you know, that you saw a big lurch for the good in my opinion to the left in social values okay. in this country. All right. Um so you're saying that if some if that were to be dropped down today and that concern would be brought up, you would just shrug and say, "What's well, a yeah, fair point?" I absolutely because would. Because you can't say one is bad but yep. the other one is okay. Now, I had an observation here. The one real deep moral point I think they tried to bring up that they never brought up, and this goes into Scott's deep meaning a little bit, bring this segment back. Ooh. He says... <laughs> he says, you don't know who you are until you have to make a sacrifice, a decision that has a significant sacrifice to it. Something to that effect. Where he's basically telling um, Emily that... Um, it's easy to be a do-gooder, and it's easy to have principles until there is a true cost to those principles. And she kind of is miffed at it, but later on, I think that's supposed to hit back home. That's a setup, a Chekhov's gun, for when she's talking to her dad and she says, Dad, everyone's dead. Blow the thing out of the sky. That's supposed to be her saying, even in the moment of there being a cost to this decision to be a do-gooder, and to do the right thing, she's still willing to pay it. And in the crisis moment, she is who she says she is. But I disagree. And I think the movie fails in that moment. Because the truer test of are you who you say you are when the chips are down, to me, is living with the decision and the cost of that decision. Not that it's easy to make a decision to give your own life to save other people. But if you want to find out who you are and if you want to find out how committed to your principles you are, I think there's an argument that the tougher choice to make in that decision in that moment to prove that is that you're going to make a decision to stand by your principles that will you will be paying for it every day. That cost, whether it's emotional, whether it's 
Um, in the case of Snow, incarceration, because he's not going to give up Mace. And he knows the right thing is to not give this up so that he can protect America. And he's going to accept that that uh, deep sleep and probably go insane. Um, I think that that, I think they fail there. I think they're trying to tell you that she can make a choice and that she is who she says she is when the chips are down. But but are you? Choosing to say, go ahead and blow it up and, and you know, I will sacrifice my life for this is a tough call to make. But is it tougher to make a choice that Snow was going to make that you have to live with the results of that decision to be who you are in that moment and to still be ethical and to stand by your principles when it's going to cost you for the remainder of your life instead of for the next five minutes? I'd argue it's probably tougher for, for the latter one that's going to cost you the rest of your life rather than five minutes. I think the movie fails there. I don't know what you guys think. What do you guys think on that? That's an interesting thought. Um, I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Sounds like something you would have done during Demolition Man. But they didn't. They only barely scratched the surface on that in Demolition Correct. Man too. Well, when he when he said, "I saw my wife pounding on the ice every day for thirty years or whatever yep. it was." She's so um. That was Scott. You know, I always love movies that make me question, are you who you say you are when it's hard to be who you say you are? That is your, that is your, that and to strive, or to, to struggle strive is to grow. and suffer. You, yes, so those are your two big themes that if they get put in there somehow, they, even if the movie's bad, you yep. give it points yeah. just for that. So, and speaking of points, that brings us to our final segment, rating. How many space Ooh. prisoners do we want to okay. get this thing? I'll go first, actually. Sure. I'm going to give this, like, a 7. 7 point... F- no! 7.5. I don't hate it. I, I don't hate mm-hmm. that I watch... When I watch this, it's not like, oh, I wasted... No, it's a f- good film. I like it. It's fun. It's paced well. It keeps action going. Yeah. I mean, there's some bad cheesy effects, there's cheesy, you know, dialogue, but I like it, you know, and it's, it's entertaining, which I will, that's what I want in a movie, to entertain me, simple as that. Entertain me with a movie, you get some points. I mean, deductions, obviously, it's not thought-provoking, that misses a whole bunch of stuff, it's trying to say something, but doesn't obviously a bunch of times which just hits misses the mark um but overall i can't hate the film so i can't give it a low rating did what it's supposed to do sure it's a fine film um i mean there's problems with it and there's a lot of bad but at the end of the day i am entertained um, it was well paced. The movie never drug. I wasn't, you know, kidding pause to see how much more of this interminable film there was to watch. Um, it, it misses the mark on the science. It misses the mark on the politics. It misses the mark on the debates and studies on the human condition. It opens up questions that it doesn't answer. Um, but I'll give it a five. It's an average film. 
it's worth watching. I don't feel like I, you know, I'm not uh, asking for my legions back. Um, so it's it's a fine average film. It's not bad. It's an enjoyable outing. Um, it's no escape from L.A. It's no escape from New York. It's no Demolition Man. Uh, when you get to brainless, fun, sci-fi, action, you know, adventure films, there's there's better versions of it, but there's also worse. And so on, on the Scott scale of five is a completely average film, this is a completely average film. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give this a six. It's, uh, I mean, I know I ripped into this a ton, but at the end of the day, it's just slightly above a B movie that really meant well for me. Uh, it's cheesy, but not, it, you could tell they were trying to make it more serious and action-y. And, and like Thomas said, they were trying to put some deeper meanings in this, but it always got lost in the shuffle of action! So... You can't give it credit there. And the actors were a bit tropey and over the top to almost annoying at times, but not enough to take away from the fact that, yeah, I could watch this. Like, if I were on an airplane and this was the only movie on there, I would not be upset. I would watch it to, sp to pass the time. So, uh, yeah, definitely I give this a six. Is it worth your time? Yeah, yeah probably. I'd watch this over Wedlock. That's for sure. So, uh, but if you're interested in watching or listening to something better, you can tune in to Raving Lunatic Media for our latest Zodiac Task Force episode that just dropped recently. And now Raving Lunatic Media is back on YouTube, although we do have two YouTube channels. But the point is we have Raving Lunatic Media is back on YouTube and we are starting to drop our episodes. For example, we have an episode, a teaser trailer for Zodiac Task Force animated. Animation with the audio. And the audio is redone. It's doing, it's really good. And I'm really excited to show the whole first episode to you. Redone. Remastered. New soundtrack. Great new editing. Great new art. And there's just a teaser out there of scene one. So check it out at Raving Lunatic Media on YouTube. Also, you can uh, check out the teaser for Cold Case Chase. That's coming back. And it will be, again, on YouTube and audio. You could check those out. You could learn more about them and talk with us, leave comments, everything else on our Discord channel. You can also check out why you should. Because if you're not interested in this kind of show, you can find out why you should watch something else on the podcast. Why you should, by our own ruck. And finally, you can always tune into this show and leave comments at... www.sci-fi-wars.com Sci-fi-wars.com I'm telling you, sickies, we need to fund this operation. We're fighting the global Satanist cabal, and you've got to buy our nutraceuticals. We've got the best stuff. Don't go to CVS and buy their vitamin D. It's not clean. It's not pure. It could kill you. Buy Sci-Fi Malady approved vitamin D. And while you're there, go get Ultra Caveman Paleolithic Male. If you take a scoop of this every single day and take a picture of yourself, I guarantee you in 45 days you'll just look redder and that you wore a belt. Help me fight the Satanist global cabal that's trying to take down science fiction sickies. Go to SciFiWars.com 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 I'm telling you, this is my spirit falling free. I've got to fight the evil, but I need you to fund me, nation. you got to fund me. Go to SciFiWars.com SciFiWars.com I think I turned into <laughs> the end there. Rage Master, what's left for them to do? Stay sick, Ziggies.
Raving Lunatic. <laughs>